the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Glad to be with you today as I am every day from 3 to 5 right here on 99.5 KKLA in Los Angeles. We're also on in San Diego, KPRZ, 1210 AM, 106.1 FM. If you're in North County, we are live in all of Southern California every day from 3 to 5, every weekday from 3 to 5, bringing you into the conversation for some encouragement, some fun, and a conversation about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. You can join our conversation by calling me at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, and yes, you will be on the radio, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. You know, there was a, a poll, Gallup poll that came out today, and um, it's saying that, that faith, Americans' faith in institutions has dropped once again uh, in 2022 from 2021. There's a lot of conversation out there about institutions and Americans losing their faith in them. But when you read these polls, we're, we're pretty low already, right? Uh, what would you say is the, uh, the institution in the United States that has the, the least uh, credibility, the the least confidence in Americans. You know what it is? It's Congress. Congress has gone. Congress is always at the bottom of that. By the way, it always makes me laugh when people in Congress are criticizing the uh, the president, and I'm like, well, you know, Nancy Pelosi can criticize uh, President Trump or President Biden or whatever she wants to criticize, but she's at seven percent approval. Seven. It's difficult to only have seven percent of people having confidence in you. It's difficult to get, you almost have to deliberately be bad in order to get that number down to 7%. But that's Congress. They're at the bottom of the national uh, institution confidence list from Gallup. And that's down from 12. I was surprised that last year it was 12. So Congress has gone from uh, 12% last year confidence to 7 um, that's why uh, the Democrats who control Congress are freaking out about the election this year, and they should be freaking out. Uh, Republicans, of course, uh, should realize that if they do take control of the Congress, then they're going to be responsible for whatever in 2024. That is the price of uh, of the majority right there. Uh, small businesses is number one. Uh, Americans have confidence in small businesses, although that went down. Every category went down a little bit from 2021. So I think people are feeling a little bit uh, less confident. Small business went from 70 to 68 percent. The military, number two, uh, 69 to 64 percent. So people a little less confident in the military. That probably uh, is due to that Afghanistan uh, fiasco last summer. I would guess uh, the police, 51 to 45, uh, went down. And these numbers aren't real good, right? I mean, what, only 45 percent have uh, confidence? Um but these are at the top. The medical system is next. Then, uh, then the church, by the way. So yes, the church has gone from thirty-seven to thirty-one uh, percent as far as people having a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in it. Thirty-one um, percent—that's pretty low. But it's number five of every institution there is uh, in uh, America. 
So I guess in you know comparatively speaking, the church is you know doing uh, four and a half times better than Congress. I guess that's good. Uh, but we need to think about that. We need to think about the the confidence that people have in the church as an institution. Um, you can break that down into a whole lot of different categories. Each one of these things, you know, people answer that question differently um, all the time. And are we talking about the church as far as Christians and what Christians do, or the church as far as nonprofit corporations that each church is? And you know, a whole lot of conversation about that. Uh, right behind that is public schools. That's drop four, uh, thirty-two to only twenty-eight percent. Twenty-eight percent have confidence, have strong confidence in the public schools, which I think every time you turn on the news or turn on uh, you know some kind of music you're listening to or some television program, you can find very good examples of how we failed in the public schools. Organized labor, you know that has uh, that's one, that one stayed the same. Twenty-eight percent. Uh, banks, large technology companies, the Supreme Court, the presidency, newspapers, 16, the criminal justice system, 14. I guess that's separate from police. Big business, 14. So people like small businesses, but they don't, they're not very confident in big business, but that's where they're going to shop. Television News, 11, and Congress, number seven. You know, when I look at these things and, you know, they I guess they're put out there to make us feel really uh, frustrated about the institutions. And I think we should be concerned about it for sure. But it always raises the question, what do we do about it? And you know what? I think that's a great question for all of us, because I think in every one of these things, you may not have realized it, but in every one of these categories, they're operated by people. I think they would probably be doing a lot better if people weren't involved. But all of them have to do with people. And people in leadership, people making decisions. But what that should do for us is give us some confidence that people can actually make a change to it. One of the areas that we're so concerned about is crime. And next to inflation, crime is what people say is the number one issue in the in the country today. Some of the issues like even abortion is down five or six. People are, are far less concerned about that, even with all the controversy, uh, than they are inflation or or crime. And, you know, there was a study that came out, and this is where I'm going with this. There's a study that came out that said that if you have a dog that you're participating in reducing crime in your neighborhood. Did you know that? Do you, are you a dog person or a cat person? Now, I'm a, I'm a dog person. And if you have a dog, apparently it has statistical correlation to less crime in your neighborhood because you have a dog. Now, there was no study out there that talked about why cats probably increase crime in your neighborhood. No, I'm just kidding if you're a cat owner. Um, I think this is interesting, but there is a reason for that. Why is it? You can join our conversation, by the way, anytime you want to. If you're offended cat owner right now, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Or if you're a dog lover, you can tell me about your dog. We just got a dog. We got a dog right uh, just about three months ago. And uh, his name is Winston, uh, Winston Churchill. We don't usually just call him Winston. And uh, we give him a cigar, and it's cute. We don't really do the cigar thing. And, uh, you know, we walk Winston all over the place, and uh, we've had a good time with this. It's a responsibility thing for the kids. They they love Winston. He's doing pretty well. He hasn't torn up too much. We've been on the ball with making sure he's not tearing up too many things. But we realize that now researchers from the Ohio State University have found that neighborhoods that are home to more dogs experience less crime including murder and assault, including the most violent of crimes. 
And a lot of this has to do with trust. So there is a lot of research going on now about neighborhoods and crime and those kinds of things. And what they're finding out is that if you live in a neighborhood where there's less crime, it's probably because neighbors trust each other more. And that one of the reasons that we have so much crime and that crime is increasing, there's a lot of different reasons, okay? And uh, lots of different things related to the the status of the institutions of the criminal justice system and, and uh, other things. But once again, everything comes down to who we are. Everything comes down to the people in your neighborhood, like Mr. Rogers used to sing. You know, he used to say, who are the people in your neighborhood, that song? You've heard it. Uh, if you don't know the answer to that song, then studies are saying that that's why your neighborhood is is having trouble if you don't know the people in the neighborhood. It's more than that. You might know the people in the neighborhood. You might be afraid of them. If you don't trust the people in your neighborhood, that's why your neighborhood is having trouble. The study is finding out, though, that, that having more dogs, that people having dogs actually helps increase trust in the neighborhood. Researchers say, according to this Ohio State University study, that you don't have to have an actual watchdog to keep your streets safe. Right, because our dog is, you know, he's a multi-poo or whatever you call it, some kind of, uh, are you allowed to say mutt or is that not politically correct anymore? I probably just offended a whole group of dog people. Uh, I probably can't say that anymore, but uh, that's that's what he is. But he's he's cute, he's smart, but he's not a guard dog. You know, he's going to probably run the other way uh, if you did something. But he'll, he'll bark at you, you know, mostly because he wants you to pet him. But what this study is saying that it doesn't even have to be a watchdog. It doesn't have to be a Doberman or a German Shepherd. We had a Doberman growing up. And you're a little kid playing around with a Doberman. That dog can kill you or love you. And it was awesome having that dog. Uh, Vince, our Doberman's name was Vince growing up. Um, That's a good name for a Doberman, Vince. Research say you don't have to have an actual watchdog to keep your streets safe. The, The results suggest that what's happening is people, when you have dogs, that you're more likely to actually get out and walk your dog. And because you're walking your dog, a couple of things happen. One is you have more eyes on the street, which discourages criminals from committing violent and nonviolent crimes. You know, there's people walking around and looking. You're less likely to do it. You're more likely to be noticed. And so if people are walking their dogs in the neighborhood, they are more likely to uh, be seen and to chase off potential criminals. But the other one is that's very interesting is that if you are walking your dog in the neighborhood, you're also more likely to trust people in your neighborhood. You know why? Because you'll actually get to know them. And one of the troubles that we have in our culture is that we don't know our neighbors. We don't know the people that we're living next to. We know things about them. We know what time they get home and what time they leave from work because we hear the garage door going up and down. We know maybe the status of their their marriage or their kids because we can hear the yelling or we can hear the TV or we can hear, you know, there's certain things you know, you know. Um, We've had different neighbors before. We used to live next to uh, uh, the place we just moved from. The house next door is carved. It's near university, and the house is carved up into multiple rooms uh, so they can rent it out to different college students. So they can rent out the whole house for probably 4000 a month if they rent it to a family, but they can rent it for $6,000 a month if they rented it to six college students for 1000 bucks a month. And uh, since they're just putting that on their student loans, why not? That's what they're doing. Uh, you're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. How well do you know your neighbors? Uh, do you have a neighborhood that you live in that the neighbors actually do stuff. What is some fun? What are some fun things that you do in your neighborhood? Did you have neighborhood Fourth of July? 
Did you get out your, your beach chairs and kind of sit with the neighborhood? Did you have barbecues where you invite random people over from the street? Or maybe not random, maybe you know them. Or do you live in a place where you never get to meet your neighbors? Where you just never see them? The studies are showing that when we know people, that when we know people in a neighborhood, it develops trust. And when it develops trust, crime goes down. Homicide, robbery, aggravated assaults, all the, the violent crimes that are out there that are increasing so much. Our communities get better when we are out with people. And uh, I thought it was great that the one additional deterrent was dogs, that a neighborhood with more dogs, um, and it's not as like to cat owners or pig owners or goat owners or whatever you might have. You might have chickens in your yard. There's a lot of people who have chickens. Like, do you have chickens in your back? You think you're saving money because you're getting all the eggs, but you're blowing all the money on all of the feed and the chicken coop and uh, the chicken diapers. If you're one of these people, I'm not even making it up. Chicken diapers. You put the diaper on the chicken and then he can walk around the house or she can walk around the house. You know, if it's a he, you're not really allowed to have the he based on so many square miles. You know, roosters can't have them. Um, that's for real. You're going to go home and check that out. I'm not even joking about that. Do you put diapers on your uh, your pets? I mean, that, talk about that. I guess that's a reason not to walk them. You know, uh, do you walk your dog? No, we just put a diaper on and we take care of that every evening lazy people but they're saying that dog walking is key but also the barking of dogs it keeps you know criminals are less likely to uh, invade your house if there's a dog barking but the biggest thing is about creating trust in in neighborhoods there is something to every society that matters greatly to the success of that society regardless of the system or the the culture regardless of the era that you're living in when people know people in your community, your community does better. When you trust neighbors, when, you know, it doesn't mean that you trust them fully, but when you're getting along with your neighbors, or you at least trust them for the big things, you know, maybe you don't trust your neighbor to bring back your your weed whacker if you lent it out. Um, But you probably trust your neighbor to call somebody if someone's breaking into your house, you know, that same neighbor. If you have neighborhoods where you trust each other, where people are walking their dogs. What happens is when you're walking your dogs, this is why this works in the study, you say hello and you start to notice the same people out and you say hi to them. And sometimes you strike up a conversation. You might have to see them several times, but that's something that we've lost, especially here in Southern California, where we we have our, our houses are so close together that we can use our television remote controls to change the channel in the people next door's house. Uh, I've done that before for fun, but we don't, get to know those people. And we put up these huge walls. There's two feet in between our house and there's one foot of it is taken up by some brick wall that we put six foot high so we don't have to see them. And then we have something called garage door openers. There's a study a while ago that said that garage door openers are one of the worst things ever to happen in our country because it stopped us from getting to know our neighbors. Because what happened, what do you do? You you drive home, and you click the button and you got your air conditioning running and your tunes are still playing and you're still listening to this show because it's almost five o'clock and you pull into the garage and then you hit the button again and the garage door comes down and you you turn the car off and you listen to the end of this show and then you go in the house and you don't say hello to your neighbors. It used to be that people had to either they didn't have a garage at all. So you just parked in a carport outside and back then you didn't have air conditioning probably in your house. And so you would do what? you would sit on the porch and you either had to get out of your car and go lift the door to the garage door because it wasn't automatic. And if you got out of your car, it would make you say hello to your neighbor who's sitting out there on the porch. 
or getting home at the same time, pulling up their garage door. And you would get to know that person. I have a question for you. Do you know what your neighbors do for a living? Do they know what you do for a living? Do you know the name of their kids or their pets? Do they have a dog? Do they, you know, um, what kind of food do they like? What are those kinds of things? Do they know that about you? This is a big deal. And if we're all the things that we worry about, crime, we worry about the safety of our kids, we worry about the, our communities in general. If we're looking to the government to fix that, if we're looking to some other outside group to fix that, even the, 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 you know, the corporate sort of nonprofit church down the street, the church should have a big role in this, by the way. We can talk about that. But the solution to a lot of our problems is simply getting to know your neighbor, getting to know the people in your neighborhood, getting to know the person who lives across the street. How old are they? What, how can you help them? Do you do this? Do you have some neighborhood things that you like to do? What are some great ideas in your neighborhood? Do you do garage sales together? Do you have barbecues together? Uh, What are some things that you would suggest that have worked or things that don't work in your neighborhood? 888-528-2557 is the number. You can call and share what you do in your neighborhood to get to know your neighbors better. 888-528-2557 is the number. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Getting a dog is a big part of it. We lived in a neighborhood where we kind of knew our neighbors. You know, we got to know them fairly well. But one of the greatest things ever happened, remember a few years ago when somebody in Arizona, uh, somebody who worked at a power plant in Arizona, uh, hit the wrong switch and turned off all of our power. And we didn't have power for hours. Uh, Do you remember that? I don't know. It was like maybe 10 years ago now if you were around. But most of Southern California didn't have power. And kind of like we're going to have this summer when the heat kicks in. We didn't have power, and it was long enough that the freezers are no longer freezing whatever you got in there. So you're going to lose it. you got to get it out of there. You're going to have to cook it. And a great thing happened in our neighborhood. We all brought our barbecues out to the front driveway. We dragged them from the backyard, and we all put them in the front, and we had a, a street-wide barbecue. Everybody was cooking whatever they had in their freezer because you're just going to lose it. And we got to know more people. And we had a great time doing this. In fact, it was a bummer whenever the power came back on. It was like, oh, now I got to go back to the old life where we don't care about each other and just pull this barbecue in the back. And, uh, you know, it, it developed that short period of time, developed so many relationships in our neighborhood. It made our neighborhood better. It made our neighborhood safer. It it gave us the ability to not just wave at some random person that we see every day, but to roll down the window and say, hey, Steve, how's it going? You know what? Hey, Mary, good to see you. Uh, and use first names. And you developed trust. What are some ways that you've done that? Have you done this before? Did you do this for 4th of July? 888-528-2557. There is a reason that this matters, and it's very biblical, by the way. The There is something in our culture, in American culture in particular, that is not as in favor of getting to know our neighbors. And that is also a big reason for a lot of our struggles. We can go down the the road of all kinds of different things that have created the situation we're in now, different philosophies and different things. But one of the biggest reasons that we are struggling as a culture, but also one of the ways that we can get better and have hope, is we're struggling because we don't know each other personally. And that's why you have these studies that say over and over again, communities where people trust each other, where, where next door neighbors actually trust one another, they do better. They have less crime. They have uh, better friendships, better quality of life. And what's interesting about that is it has nothing to do with the type of house you live in. 
It's the same in any kind of neighborhood you're in. It's actually harder in neighborhoods where everyone's behind a security fence, that kind of thing, because it's much harder to, you never see your neighbor. You may not even have a clue who lives there. Uh, This can happen in apartment complexes. How well do you know the people who live in your apartment complex? How well do you actually get together? In the place where uh, we live recently, we just moved, we had a uh, barbecue and pool party and watched a movie for 4th of July, and we're brand new. We'd only lived there three days, and i got to tell you, uh, we didn't meet that many people. Some, you know, a lot, most people probably didn't participate, but the ones that did, it's really great to know them, and it really helps you trust your community better. There's people that you can ask for help. There's people that you can connect with. There's people who can connect with you. And my friends, as believers, as people who follow Jesus, I think this is something that we have to do because what we're we are called to do is not be people who just hide out in our little hovel somewhere. We're called to make disciples. We are called to actually be involved in people's life and to reflect the light of Christ, to be ambassadors of Christ. We have work to do. And in all of these things, all of the stuff that we see going on, being an ambassador of Christ is our role. It's our job. And I want to encourage you to get to know your neighbors Get to know the people in your neighborhood. Be that person who is available to help. Be that person who's available to mow the lawn, to loan out the equipment, even if you don't get it back. Be that person who is able to, to like the cliche, share a cup of sugar. Be the ones who people will come to in the case of the power going out or the case of some kind of problem that they want to talk to. It matters. It matters for your testimony, and it has residual effects in the whole neighborhood and also go get a dog because getting a dog is great you're listening to southern california live you can join the conversation 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 is the number i'm scott furrow your host we'll be back in just a moment don't go away Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you on this Wednesday afternoon. A little cooler today in Southern California. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. That is the number. In a recent uh, survey, Chick-fil-A, number one restaurant in America, fast food restaurant, again, for uh, eight straight years. Eight straight years, Chick-fil-A, number one. And uh, they keep giving me free sandwiches on my Chick-fil-A app. Do you have that going on? And I don't know why, but every time I open up, oh, another free sandwich. And uh, maybe that's why they're the favorite. They just give away free stuff. Now, I think they're the favorite because they say my pleasure. Because you go in there and uh, it's uh, for some of you, it is church. You go in there and they got the uh, worship music playing. And, uh, you know, you you start singing along if you were in church back in the 90s, because it's like the Muzak version of the old 90s stuff that we sang. You know, I Love You, Lord, and, and those songs, uh, you start to remember, oh, I remember that song. Uh, and they're playing it while you're eating your chicken sandwich or your chicken salad or your chicken nuggets or your chicken strips, and you're having your vanilla iced coffee and whatever it is that you get there. Uh, so good for them. Uh, the study also said that most people prefer to eat at a sit-down restaurant, which I think is probably, that makes sense, right? If you could choose, if money wasn't the object of time, would you go to a uh, fast food joint or would you go to a sit-down restaurant? I think I'd go to a sit-down restaurant. And, uh, you know, I'd go someplace and I would order, you know, Chili's has the, uh, what is that that they got there? The uh, quesadilla exploding salad. No exploding quesadilla salad, something about exploding. Not really something you want to name it, but 
you know what? It's pretty good, actually. And I guess it's fun to sit there and they keep bringing you your drinks and you feel pretty good about it until you get the bill and uh, you realize that inflation has hit pretty hard in uh, the whole restaurant industry. 888-528-2557. Before the break, we were talking about our neighborhoods and how they become safer the more we trust each other and the more we know each other. And, you know, I want to encourage you to uh, think about whether or not you know your neighbors and how to do that. Are we too shy to do that? You know, what has happened to us as a people that we don't really know each other? Remember when the the 9-11 terrorists, a couple of them lived here in uh, San Diego uh, in Southern California, and in their apartment afterward, the police discovered a manual, like a how-to manual, how to be a terrorist. And part of it was how to deal with the anxiety that whatever you're doing inside, people might find out about it, that people might see you. And it basically said, don't worry about it. Americans aren't looking. That culturally, we don't pay attention to each other. We just go into our place and we mind our own business. One of the biggest solutions to the problems that we have as a as a country is that people get to actually know each other. And for the church, this matters a lot because we are not called by Jesus to just invite people to go to church and hope they show up to church as long as they like church the way we do it. You're welcome to come to my church as long as you uh, like it the way we like it because we're not changing for you. That's always been a problem with church, by the way. That's not just something that's kind of normal right it used to be you know you does your church still argue about music they're always, they're always you know those kinds of arguments they've always been there for hundreds of years any kind of music that is there there's some kind of argument about it it's not something new and we all have different tastes right if you all have an ipad you all have or ipod or on your phone you've got a list of music and it's completely different than uh, other people you know and you listen to it at different volumes and different speeds and all of the all of that we all have different tastes for those kinds of things the thing is, is that our focus needs to be something else. You know, certainly it needs to be working and praising God and uh, and coming together and worshiping together and creating an environment where we can include at least as many people as possible, where we try to be as inclusive as possible. And maybe some people are just called to go somewhere else where they do it a little bit differently. And I think that's why we have different congregations and why it works. But Jesus did not say, go out and make disciples of all nations, inviting them to church every Sunday. He said, go out, go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded them. This command for us to make disciples, it means that we have to go out. I think this is a positive thing, actually, that's happening in the church, because I'll bet your church is realizing that. I'll bet your church is asking these questions. How do we do better at getting out and getting to know people in the community? And study after study after study says that our neighborhoods get better when people are in community together and people learn to trust each other. And one of the greatest catalysts for making this happen is your church, your neighborhood church that has the ability to see the needs in your community and go meet them and to do it without obligation. You know, you're doing it. Obviously you can be upfront about it. Hey, you know, we're serving you because we love you because Jesus commands us to do this. And we hope that you would ask us about who the Lord is because we'd love to tell you, we want to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have And we have great hope. When you look at the news every day, there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope. It seems like it's just getting worse and people are using civil war and and division and red and blue and all this stuff. We've got the solution, Jesus Christ. You know, the solution to all of the struggles, all the academic struggles that we have with, with different gender, with different race, with different types of people, with rich and poor, however you want to divide people up. 
the scriptures have the answer to all that. All people are made in the image of God. All people fall short of the glory of God. If you're looking for equality, if you're looking for hope, it's all right there. All of us fall short of the glory of God. Everybody's made in the image of God. Everybody needs a Savior. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. He was prophesied about for for centuries, pointing to one guy. His name is Jesus. We have now the record in the New Testament and eyewitness accounts of a guy named Jesus, who the people who were there believed he rose again from the dead and came back. And that's why Christianity blew up from a bunch of people with no money, no power, with no political acumen and no political um, instructions, changed the whole world. And uh, it changed the politics of the world. It changed all kinds of things, sometimes to the detriment of the church. Often that's the case when power becomes what's more important than um, sharing the gospel. But I want to encourage you this way. What are some ways that you've gotten to know your, your neighbors, your literal next-door neighbors, the people on your street, the people in your neighborhood? Let me know, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We keep getting these studies that uh, show that maybe Christianity is declining, right? There's a, there's a lot of these studies that say fewer people believe in God. One came out today that is troubling that says that fewer people believe in um, the Bible being the Word of God. And a lot of these depend on how you phrase the question, you know, is the Bible the literal Word of God? Well, if you hear that and you think, well, I don't think Jesus spoke English, so I'm going to say no. Well, okay, that's not really what the question means, but it, you know, they often don't know how to ask the question right. But still, the, the number is, is pretty sorry that only about 19% of Americans now think that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, and that number is not much better for people who go to church, for people who are, are Christians. Um, that is pretty significant. And you can hear these studies and these stats and they just sort of berate you with them in the media. But let me let me share a few things. Did you know if you really break down the numbers and you kind of get into to all of this, that yes, there are fewer people who say that they're believers, meaning that when you get to know your neighbors, and let me just ask you point blank, if you're a Christian, is the reason you don't know your neighbors is you're afraid they're going to find out you go to church? And that's a pretty good question, right? Are you not, do people you work with know that you go to church? Do people that you work with, would they be surprised to find out you go to church? Like, really? can't believe you go to church because you don't seem, you know. Uh, <laughs> that matters. That happened to me once. I was working for Circuit City. Years ago, I was in college. And, you know, in, in that job, I took Sunday mornings off because I was in church and I was involved with the youth group and I was a volunteer for the youth group at my church. And I thought everybody knew that, that that's the reason I never worked Sunday morning. And nobody wanted to work Sunday morning. It was an all-commission job, and you'd have to show up early and, and do inventory, and you're not getting paid for it because it was all commission. And then you'd be there during the morning hours when no one's in there buying anything. Uh, and uh, so people kind of resented that I wasn't in there, but I thought they knew it was because I went to church. And I found out later they had no idea I went to church. Like, oh, you got you go to church somewhere. It's like, how did you not know that? And then I realized there's something wrong with the idea that my coworkers didn't know that I went to church. Not just that they didn't understand my schedule, that they didn't understand why I had that schedule. I I think I assumed they knew, but they didn't. Um, and that that convicted me quite a bit, changed my life really. The guy's name was Rudy who said that. I the the next thing I did was I took Rudy to a Dodger game. I got to get to know this guy because I work with him every day. We talk about all kinds of things, and somehow he doesn't know I'm a Christian. Uh, that was bad, in my opinion. Do your coworkers know that you know the Lord? So we, we went to a Dodger game. We talked about 
Christianity. He, had, he And I got his whole story, right? He talked about church. He grew up in the church. He kind of hemmed and hawed about whether he wanted to go back. But suddenly we had a relationship that wasn't just coworkers. Our relationship became one of, I'm the disciple maker here. And it was a relationship of, of trust because we had some authenticity uh, with all of that. And you know what? It wasn't hard. It was embarrassing to me, you know, between me and God and me and Rudy. But we got through that and it turned out to be a great thing. Can I encourage you that it's a lot easier than you think? That God has put people right there on your street. He's put people that you work with. He's put people that you go to school with. He's put those people there for a reason, to be around you. And one of the things that you can do is pray for those people every day and ask God that he would use you in their life. And you know what? God answers that prayer. He answers that prayer really quickly. And you know why? Because that's the will of God. You know how we always pray in Jesus' name? It's not magic words, you know, that if we just say it the right way, if we say, you know, he's going to answer our prayer. People do that, right? You ever done that? You're like, okay, if I pray in Jesus' name, well, maybe I need to say in Jesus Christ's name and I need to use his last name. Maybe I need to say in Christ Jesus. There was a movement years ago who said that you need to say it in Hebrew. That The reason God's not answering your prayer is you're not saying his name in Hebrew, which makes no sense at all. No, the whole idea was when you pray in Jesus' name, you're praying in the will of God, in the name of Jesus, in in what Jesus would like to do with what I prayed for. That's what I'm asking for. What Jesus wants to do in your life is let you shine the light of the kingdom of God and show people about Jesus. He wants everybody to be saved. And when you say, God, help me with my neighbors, my coworkers, my classmates, whoever it is that I'm hanging around with, your cellmates for some of you. Okay, where you can have a tremendous mission and be used by God. When you say in Jesus' name, he answers that because it is in his name. God has prepared you. He's given you life circumstances. He has taken the dumb things that you've done in life, the mistakes you've made in life, and he's ready to redeem those things. I'll bet that there are people in your life who have struggled the same way you have, who have gone through similar experiences that you have, And you're going to be amazed to find out that you are uniquely placed, strategically placed in that person's life to comfort them, to share the gospel, to just love them in the name of Christ. That's how it works. And my friends, that's where the hope is. That's where every day's happiness is. That's where it is to be blessed. That's what our job is. That's what our churches can do in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and wherever we go. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today, as I am every day from 3 to 5, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. And uh, we've been talking about sharing your faith and getting out there into the neighborhood and what a difference it makes when we actually are making disciples and being a part of the lives of the people that God has put around us. 888-528-2557 is the number. Sandy from Fullerton, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Sandy. Oh, thank you so much. This is totally me. Uh, God gave me the gift of evangelism and also encouraging. And I help at a soup kitchen, and I make snack bags and give away. 
I get like so much joy just giving them their snack bag and just asking them if they're born of the spirit. And, uh, if they say, you know, they're a Christian and they're born of the Spirit, then I say, well, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back for us in the clouds. And it's just so fun for me because it's my gift. Do you ever have the opportunity to actually lead somebody to uh, to Christ and see them grow? Uh, I have about a dozen people, yeah. I've oh. been a Christian 14 years, yeah. All right. I used to detail... I used to detail cars, and I would uh, talk to my customers just because, hey, they're paying for me to clean their car. They need to know Christ, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure that Jesus, if he were here, would be working in homeless uh, soup kitchens and things like that. Let me ask you this, though, yeah. Sandy. Do you How well do you share Christ with the people that maybe you go to work with or the people in your neighborhood, like who live in your street? Like, do they know that you're a believer? Um, Are there people that you interact with on a regular basis that aren't random people, but people who you do life with? How does how does your gift of evangelism work there? Well, my friends are Christian. Um, I don't work very much anymore, mm-hmm. but I walk the dog, and I might make wear a shirt that says, "All I need is Jesus. All I need is coffee and a little." All I need is Jesus and a little bit of coffee. You know, I wear a T-shirt and I'll point. Um, I'll talk with people. If people are, uh, they want to be nice to me, I just feel like I just have to ask them if they know the Lord. And I, I witness um, every Saturday for an hour at like a Walmart parking place with another friend that has the gift of evangelism. All right, so all right. I do it pretty often. All right, well, Sandy, thank you for doing that, and uh, we'll just pray that God blesses that for you. 888-528-2557. You know, I think that uh, some people have the gift of evangelism. Like, like it's a, all of us are called to be a witness. If you're a Christian, right, your life is a witness. Um, the Your life is something that uh, you, we're all called to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. Some people have the gift of evangelism. They just have the ability not just to share the gospel sort of academically, but the gift is that people will actually listen. You know, I think for most people, if you went to the Walmart and started sharing the gospel out in the parking lot, people would ignore you. But for certain people, for some reason, they don't. And I think that's because there's a gift to it. I've got a couple of friends who are just great at it and and where I think most people, if they were doing what they do, uh, it would probably be ignored and rude for some reason, they have the ability to share. One of the things that I'm getting at here is that disciple-making is inherently relational, meaning that, yes, there are times where you have opportunities to share the gospel. There are certain people who are called to go out and uh, preach in different places, and people will hear the gospel, and it's a great, great opportunity to do that. And if you're gifted with that, I spoke. Uh, I spoke once in... Uh, El Salvador, and I was in a church, and there might have been 150 people in this church, but there were loudspeakers outside, and they said it went all throughout all these valleys. I don't have any idea how many people it went to. It was amazing, and I had a translator because I didn't speak Spanish, and uh, one time he was going on and on about something. Obviously, I didn't say it, but he was just so excited that he was preaching. You know, I thought, you know, all these people got to hear the gospel, and uh, what a great opportunity. And yet, at the end of the day, Here's something that is is true, all right? It's true about Christians for 2,000 years. And this is something I think the church, we've got to grapple with. We have got to understand this. And we've got to realize that most of the time, the way that a person comes to Jesus is not because they just heard the gospel somewhere. 
it's because they're in a relationship with a Christian who shares the gospel with them eventually. And they're in a relationship with a Christian that started out as mom and dad or started out as a sibling or started out as a friend or a grandkid, grandparent. And you had that relationship first and you got to see them. And eventually you said, what is it about you? And that relationship grows. If I were to ask this audience, how many people came to Christ because you heard about it from a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a friend or somebody who was in relationship with you, who you saw every day, who was a part of your life, I'll bet 90 or 95% of you would say that way. That's how God does it most of the time. When Jesus asks us to make disciples, he's inviting us into relationship with each other. I think we're a little bit afraid of it, and we need to not be. Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And I wonder, Christian, do you see yourself this way, salt and light? It doesn't say go out and become salt. Jesus didn't say, I want you to go out and become the salt of the earth. He says you're already the salt of the earth, but it does say be careful because you can lose what you've been given. And it doesn't say become the light of the world. It says, go out there and be the light. You are this. You have it already. It's going to describe that a little bit more. Jesus will describe that a little bit more later. But Jesus sees you already as the salt and light of the earth. He sees that in you already with where you are. See, what's happening in the world is that the kingdom of God is coming. All right. That's the perspective that the Christian is to have, and we are here to herald it with the way we live our life and in the way we interact with people on a daily basis in our regular life. And I want to encourage you to understand that the people that God has purposefully and providentially placed in your life are there on purpose, and they're there for you to share the gospel with. This is one of the reasons we want to get to know people in our neighborhood. This is one of the reasons that churches need to get out from the walls of their communities and go in and serve people and love people because discipleship is relational. What we're called to do is relational. And there's all kinds of application to it. The the whole world, nations run better when the people know each other and are relational. It matters. It has an impact. You know, certainly the kingdom of God is what matters uh, by far infinitely more. But there is something about it that actually, you know, whenever, I like to say this, that where your church is, wherever your church is located, wherever your congregation gathers, is it making the neighborhood it's in a better place? Because wherever the Christians are gathering, that place should be better. Like even for the people who aren't Christians, life should be better. If your church were to leave the neighborhood you're in, sell the property, would your neighborhood be glad? Would they notice? Would they be sad? Hopefully they'd be sad. 888-528-2557. Let's go to Lorena in Encino. Lorena, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yes, so great to hear. Oh, my God, it was so wonderful to hear about El Salvador because I am from El Salvador. Oh, well, how about that? That is true. What you are saying is so true. You hear the loudspeakers everywhere. And you know one thing um, I want to touch on is the fact that in El Salvador, Everybody knows everybody. You know your neighbors. You just don't know about your neighbors. You really know your neighbors. And one of the things that has helped me um, to be uh, courageous to share the gospel is I used to make this prayer, 
And I do it not as much anymore, but I used to do it a lot. And I used to ask the Lord, Lord, let the reflection of my faith be your presence in me. And one day, uh, my I work uh, next to a Orthodox synagogue. And the rabbi came out. And as soon as I came out, he said hi to me. And then and I went back and he says, you love the Lord God, don't you? And I said, I do. And, he, and I asked him, how do you know that? And he said, I can see it in you. And I think that one of the things that we forget about is that our lives are a testimony. And we mm-hmm. don't need to be uh, sure we need to preach the gospel, sure we need to share, but people are watching us. And just by watching us, you know, I've had coworkers uh, that I have disciple. I have girlfriends who bring other girlfriends who come to Christ just because of, you know, the way we testify with our lives. Yep. And I think that that's one of the things that we as believers have to keep in mind always. You're right, Lorena, and I got to go, but I appreciate your call. And, uh, you know, when Jesus says we're the light of the world, it's because people see us. How do people come to Christ? How do they know that we are Christians? They know we are Christians because we go to church. They know we are Christians because we wear a Jesus T-shirt. They know we're a Christian because we have a Jesus fish in our car. No, they know we're a Christian because of our love, which also is relational. It's not, it's a, it has to be a love that they see. It has to be a love that they experience, not just somewhere deep in our heart. We love people. Okay, anybody can say that. But giving of yourself sacrificially, being involved with somebody, investing in other people and showing them your love. See, that's where discipleship is. This is where people come to Christ. And it has a tremendous impact. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. That word house there, it's a word oikos. It means relational world. That it gives light to everybody in your neighborhood. Everybody that you do life with is what that means. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, that's the mission. Be salt and light. You've already been called to that. Be clearly seen as a benefit to those people who know you. The impact of that is tremendous, and it has spiritual implications for everybody you know forever. It's all kingdom of God driven. It's not so that they think you're a great person. It's so that they may glorify your Father in heaven. That's why you do it. That's a mission for everyday life. That's the that's the place where you hold on to hope. That has eternal significance. All this stuff in the news and all this crazy stuff, you know, it's going to come and go. Don't worry about it. Live for Christ. Be kingdom-driven and pay attention to the people that God has purposefully and providentially, strategically put in your life, loving the way Jesus would. All right, friends, we're done for today, the Wednesday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back with you tomorrow from 3 to 5 right here on KKLA in Los Angeles, KPRZ in San Diego. God bless you. Have a great night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.